Why is it that people who don't own TVs always manage to work that fact into the first five minutes of talking to me? Coming to you live from the Kosher Studios in Woodridge, Illinois, this is Behind the Destruction, the Demolition Derby podcast. And now your hosts, Chris Newman and Steve Kersky Jr., Welcome to Behind the Destruction. This is episode number six of Behind the Destruction, the all-TDA edition, part two. Um, This is the episode number six for the week of June 24th, 2012. I'm Chris Newmer, sitting in for my normal partner, Steve Gersky Jr., five-time national champion demo driver and Sith Lord, Johnny Ryan. How you doing, Johnny? I'm just peachy today. Johnny filled in for Orange Crush last night for a race, uh, second night of the TDA. And uh, when Johnny isn't kicking ass on the track, he can be found, well, kicking ass as the owner and head trainer at the Strike Club in Morris, Illinois. You can go to strikeclub.net and find out more information for learning how to kick ass Ryan style. This episode is sponsored by Driven Restorations. The first step to driving your dream is contacting Driven Restorations at 608-609-5041. Now, Johnny, uh, one thing that I wanted to start out by saying is that when people heard that you were going to be filling in for Steve, uh, they said, oh, boy, I can't wait to do this. And I I really think that if you and I don't piss off at least 50% of the TDA with this podcast, that we've done something wrong. Oh, my God. I don't know. Probably, no matter what we say. Probably. We can talk about peace and love. It's supposed to be the all-TDA, right? It is. It that, Nothing says peace okay. and love like all-TDA. So, uh, as I had given you your intro, uh, as the Sith Lord, uh, you know, I have been calling you Darth Ryan pretty much since the day we first met, just jokingly. But I, I understand that you actually have been getting uh, some pretty interesting feedback from that, that commentary. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I, I just happen to like the Star Wars movies anyway, but... You know, you kind of coined me Darth Ryan and the Sith Lord and referred to me by that. And uh, my kids and wife have uh, purchased Darth Vader masks, action figures, little things, T-shirts. And uh, got a Darth Darth Vader mask hanging in my bathroom. And uh, I I get to see that every day, and it's just like the demo reminder, so... Yeah, well, I, the T-shirt you were wearing last night was uh, absolutely fantastic. Haters made me famous. I thought, yep, that that works for that works perfectly for Johnny. Yeah, that was bought uh, by a couple of my students. Well, you know what they say: haters gotta hate. But it's a whole a whole other animal. That's right. I, I don't hate the players. I just hate the game. Hate the play. Hate, hate the, the play. play. If you're a true player, you hate the play. I, Everyone else hates the game, Chris. I'm I'm writing this down. This is good to know. It's pimp logic. Uh, so second night, um, which happened this last Saturday uh, of, of the TDA event, second night 2012, it was it was a pretty interesting night of racing, uh, both for fans and uh, for the teams as well. For everybody. And the story, it seems, of this year and something that everybody is talking about 
is how equal all the teams are. Equal is, uh, well, I'd say there's definitely a bit of polarity, but uh, yeah. How equal uh, most yeah, of the potential. teams are. There, we're on the bottom end of the polarity is potential. and uh, So there's a lot of equality between the teams. The top four teams are within four points of each other. It seems like almost every team has a shot at the championship right now. Everybody. Um, you know, if everyone has a mathematical shot, I'd say. I don't know. Do you know? Um, gets, I would say somehow, some way, everyone could win because of the outcome of yesterday's events. But um, there's teams, you know, there's it's 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 an equal playing field and everyone could could win and there is potential. But there's just certain teams that uh, it's going to be a little bit difficult for Stranglehold. I, I will say that they they're trying hard. They're putting in effort coming out, but they just they have not been looking that good on the track. It's uh, they got everything. It sounds like they need. It just sounds like there's not. I see people working on cars and scurrying things. I notice things like that when I come into the track area for the first time in a day and I see people on their knees under hoods. I see sweaty helpers banging on sledgehammers on the sides and pounding stuff. And like you see the guys or fever pitch and then you see the guys that roll in with their cars, you know, yeah, they're, they got a canopy up or they're kickback I- chilling on a a trailer and uh yeah i talked to ronnie johnston yesterday on full throttle i talked to him probably around five o'clock or so i asked him how he was doing he looked at me and he said all our hoods are closed i was like yep got it talking that good i know what that means and he was happy with that he's not happy with that's a that's a good confidence man yeah so i mean there's a lot to be said and it sends a message to everybody else you know and if you've got guys banging away but stranglehold that's where i was getting at I, I, I see that a lot, and I see, like, really good iron. And they line up with really good iron, you know, and uh, it just seems like they're, I don't know, I, it seems like they're playing catch-up. And yeah. when you work too hard up to the race, you don't think about what's going on. You don't have time to. You're exhausted, man. You're mentally exhausted whether you realize it or not, whether you think you're Iron Man or not. Think about it. You're living on pizza, most likely pizza, beer, soda, for like a week leading up to the race, if you're playing catch up, you're working, doing whatever you got to do, and then trying to work on your cars. And I don't know. I see a lot of last minute things. Maybe a lot of guys aren't. I, I can't see into that camp, but I see a lot of guys playing catch up. Uh, Just at the track. Maybe last couple weeks, uh, they realize they got to do something if they want to race, and uh, they didn't really spend the whole time. You know, I see the teams that are. Working the day after the race, there's probably some guys working right now real hard, and those are the guys that are probably taking their teams pretty far. Yeah. Well, but, you know, other than Stranglehold, it seems like every team out there right now has a shot. Uh, I wouldn't have said that about Seek and Destroy after the first night of racing, um, but after they came out and they took uh, they took Mean Green Machine in the first round, uh, it, it showed to me, like, Okay, they are actually a team that does need to be worried about game planned. But yeah, I would not have said that uh, Seek and Destroy would have been in the mix after first night. But after second night, and the way they took the first round matchup against Mean Green Machine, it seems like they're a team that needs to be dealt with. Absolutely, I see they have really good stuff, and uh, they seem pretty prepared. Uh, my my thing with that team is they're one experienced guy. 
away from, uh, you know, going three rounds, you know. So, and they seem to do it. They seem to do it no matter who's on their team. At least once a year. Uh, I don't know if they did it last year. No, nobody else. Not, not in no. 2011, I don't believe. No, so maybe, I don't know. I hope it isn't fading away for Greg, but they seem to manage, and they, they got some talent, man. Yeah. And Just got to have that little extra little extra push. So, them guys want to go places. So let me ask you this. What would you suggest? Like, you're sitting out here. You're playing general manager. Um, you know, what do you suggest? Actually, you're not associated with any teams, are you, Johnny? Nah, I'm kind of, I mean, in the mix of a few things. But, uh-huh. Okay, well, honestly, thinking to myself, I mean, how much time do they spend between first night and last night? You know, the immediate past. And, and how much time did they honestly spend in preparation, all four of them? And, and the way that's measured is the guy who showed up to do some work to the guy who showed up every day and even managed to do some work for the other three, four guys and throw an extra time and effort. And that's your scale on a team. And if they have more towards the right end of the scale, they're going far. So, I mean, I don't, I can't really say anything about the characteristics of all the drivers. I know of them. I know McGuire throws his stuff together last minute, but he's good at that. That's his thing. Like, normally I would never say, uh, normally I would be like, oh, you don't want to throw your stuff together last minute. You don't want to be on your back bleeding brakes or aligning stuff, you know, at 3 o'clock on race day. But that for McGuire, that's what works for him. And, you know, uh, we, we've both seen it for like the Absolutely. last three, four Absolutely. years. And it's like, okay, you know what? I've there driven by Fridays or Thursdays before the race in the daytime. You know, McGuire's car on Reckoning, you know, back in the Reckoning days. uh up on jack stands and stuff like that Friday night, not painted. So, you know, but I knew that's Chris. So, but he manages to bring out some good cars. He so. does. And uh, but senior now, I know the guy's a good builder. If I had to speculate, he's commuting from Wisconsin. So is he building cars in his neck of the wood and transporting them and finishing them? So I don't know his logistics, but I'd imagine that might be an issue, but he's, Definitely provides veteran leadership. Oh yeah, I mean to that is, team. Yeah, he is a glue guy. You know, you do, you hear that often um, in basketball or football. Just like some guy that manages to keep guys together. And sure, that is the thing that I don't think enough people realize about uh, Steve Gursky Senior. Is just how good he is at bringing people together. And it's like uh, they had one roster change. Uh, I believe Freddie Knight was on the team first night, and he is not now. And it's it's like if. If you're with Steve Gursky Sr. and he cannot help you, it's like, well, then it's time then then it's time to do some investigating. My uh my suggestion and uh my entertainment value uh spin on that whole thing is to uh have Gursky Sr. say, Hey, Junior, why don't you come help us for a race or two? Now that would be That's that a would, remedy. Yeah. That, that is puts that team third round contender right away. Yeah. It does. Think about it. No, yeah, I mean, Whether Greg, Schaefer, Senior, or McGuire rotate in, that has all the potential of your beloved Damage Inc. Mm-hmm. And more, too, I would say. I mean, that's mm, I'd different. say it's there. Oh, yeah, that's that's firepower. Gursky, if he's the Gursky uh, with the ambition of 2011, Gursky. 
I, I was on fire. I, I don't. Well, I mean, I, obviously, you don't know Steve the way that I do. But I'll tell you what: Steve has ambition with everything. I mean, even if it's driving to the gas station and filling up his tank, he has severe amounts of ambition just doing that. There's no off position on the ambitious level uh, of Steve Gursky Jr. And if he did uh, sign up with Team Two, uh, even for just like a race or two, that could significantly alter their fate. Well. Uh... I raced against Gursky Jr. for about the last, what, six years? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I know. So, Well, let me ask you this. Um, having having been around the TDA for as long as you have, and, you know, for me, witnessing it, it seems like there's always been one dominant team, or there's been a team that has really stood out as being the prohibitive favorite in a given year. For so many years, it was the old junkyard dogs of which you were a part. Uh, then it was your team, Orange Crush, and then last year it was Reckoning, and then this year it's like there's there's nobody. There's every team seems to be about on the same level. It's uh, I think you guys mentioned it on a podcast. It's almost like the NFL, and uh, it had nothing to do with salary caps or anything else like that. It's just teams broke up or too many guys got too big. It, it became too big. And good, talented guys or committed guys started, ended up with other teams. And I don't know, people filtered into repo somehow this year, you know, and they got this new kind of spark. They made the third round. Yeah, that's as far as I that's can like tell. The AFC first, championship there. The uh, For Damage Inc., they have never made it to a third round is what I consistently Not heard. at all. And, you know, you people often talked about, you know, the curse of Repo or the curse of Dave Swan. Because I felt the ground to see if hell froze over. Yeah. I did. I, I reached down and felt it. And here they are. They're in the finals. And they got sneaky, though. I shouldn't say that. But, I mean, they, they it wasn't really sneaky. It was It was everybody on that team, man. So, you know, we've talked about how all the teams seem to be very on very equal footing. Um, and that, that obviously is the story of the season thus far. Uh, in addition to that, I'd say there are two points that uh, our people are hitting, which is that, number one, Damage Inc. is coming out of nowhere. I mean, when they raced in 2011, it, it just it looked ugly. I mean, it was not good. And now they make it to the finals. They, make it to the, uh, they made it to the second round. They're in second place on the season thus far. It's a great story. That's number one. And I'd say number one, number two is what's going on with the junkyard dogs. Oh, Would oh you boy. agree that those are the two big stories, like individual big stories of the season? Yeah, that's up there. I'd say, oh, yeah, definitely that's the major two headlines. Uh, Damage Inc. looks like uh, they're having a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, certain certain guys catch me when I pulled into the parking lot and asked me if I'd drive for them because they were arguing with so-and-so, and I don't know if they raced or not, but Damage Inc. had a good night. That would be, uh, I think, yeah. Rich Wilson. I, I, I'm trying to think how many drivers Damage Inc. went through last night. I mean, it was, like it was, six, it was seven. six or seven, yeah. Cause they and then had, they had orange-haired drivers and yeah. just guys limping around. And they, they had a lot of different drivers, mm. and, uh, you know, the two, the two consistent drivers were uh, Dave Swan and uh, – Sneaky Pete, Sneaky Pete, and Sneaky Pete, and they were good. They they delivered. And uh, what do you attribute damages rise in the standings and their performance on the track too? I mean, is there anything specific? Repo is out. Repo and Sneaky Pete are out to prove something, and looks like they're having a lot of good old demo fun trying to do it. You know what I mean? And it's just it's probably a lot of moxie. 
So are they using? Are they putting in uh, better equipment? Using better engines? He's had the equipment. You know, I think uh, I think they're finally. Repo knows how to use it. He just somehow ends up with uh, one or two loose screws in the bunch, and uh, now uh, now they have good equipment. They got good guys helping them constantly, and uh, I know there's some veteran guys hanging around down there. I, I know there's some old time Santa Fe veterans kids that are hanging around or working on cars now too. I think one of them raced one of the Sherman kids. Yeah. He raced in the first round and uh, I believe actually ended up winning the race. I raced against the Sherman brothers quite a bit in the eighties. That's how long ago I raced. Wow. So, yeah. so, uh, and then shifting, shifting topics here, like, uh, so JYD, uh, they started out the season and every, all everybody could do was, was talk about that. that. Uh, all everybody could do was talk about like the powerhouse that was going to be JYD, and then after that, then they got Ryan Bluer, uh, the runner extraordinaire Ryan Bluer, and uh, it looked like a uh, it looked like a powerhouse team, and now they're zero and two and have lost to Reckoning and Damage Inc. What's and going on? How many guys are on that team? Uh, I'm going to have to take off my shoes and pants to count that high. Right, exactly. So that's. Uh... That's my Zen answer to that. Um, so you like okay. So Johnny, last year, uh, 2011, when you were on Orange Crush, you raced with six drivers on the team. Absolutely bad idea. Why was that a bad idea? Too many guys. Too many uh, big names. Big guys. We had five guys coming off a championship. One guy trying to come back and prove himself. That was you Pete know, Ryan. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. So. I don't uh, know. What were the issues with the six drivers? Was it just everybody wanted to race and not everyone could? Um, Is it a I chemistry think there, I thing? Think, I don't know, man. I, I it, It's just a lot of guys to worry about. Think about it. If you only have four guys to worry about, that's better than worrying about six guys. If that somehow makes sense in demo logic. Not especially. Okay. Like was it? I'll something, try something else. Was it something where when you guys lost, like it, like okay, I remember this. It's your fault, and then there was a lot of different camps blaming this person or that person, and just a lot of people, a lot of big heads, you know. So it's a problem that doesn't necessarily need to be there. That is in fact there. Sure, absolutely. That, it's almost like adding a degree of difficulty. To absolutely, hundred percent. You know, hmm. and I'm 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 part of that team, so I'm guilty. You know, I'm I'm guilty just as much as the other five guys are. Yeah. So, but uh, it was just not saying no, and it was, you know, it was too many leaders too. I mean, it was too many leaders uh, for anyone to put their foot down, you know, about anything and say this is how it's gonna be, and this is how we're gonna race, and this is how we're gonna win. And there was none of that. It was just okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You shut. You know, you're Mr. Big Guy. Put up or shut up. You know, go crush somebody. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you better skate. You know you're the you're the legendary lap runner. You know get out there and turn some laps. And you know it just I don't know shoulda coulda wouldas. So, but it's a bad idea. So I think they're going to see a lot of that right now. Getting back on topic. Yeah. Well, one of the things that uh, made me feel better about the race last night because uh, JYD faced Damage Inc. in the first round. And at the time, I remember, uh, you know, I was uh, I was live tweeting the whole thing. And I said that, you know, if uh, at least the top three drivers of Ryan Bluer, uh, Garrett Big Kahuna Vanderbilt and Kyle Shearer weren't on the track together, possibly with Joe Snow, that my head was going to explode. I mean, there's no reason like they didn't do it first night. And everyone uh, was like, well, you know, if they just raced Kahuna, uh, 
it, it would they might have won. Well, they might have, but you know who knows. But and I said if this didn't happen this time, my head was going to explode. And then sure enough, uh, Ryan Bluer was not out there. And I thought, oh my God, what's going on? And then I talked to I talked to Ryan Bluer, and he explained that he had car problems and that Bryce Martin had filled in for him. And I felt better about that. But it's I mean that's just a tough hole to be in. Well, one thing. Uh... I mean, Ryan lost his starter, I understand, in the staging area. And, I, I, Chris, I'm going to tell you, I'm not making excuses for the kid. I worked on that car with him for probably uh, every year. to blame. No, well, no. Yes, damaging no, things no, no, you no, hardly no, know. No, 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 no. But me and him have worked on that car together for, I don't know, since 2008. I helped him put that motor in his first car and every car, other, other car since. But um, that starter should have worked. You know, and it just died out, and that is a – it's a shit-happens thing. So he's out, okay? So they didn't get Ryan Bluer on a track, and they got Bryce Martin, okay? Bryce Martin, hello. 35's on the board. 35's got 600 horsepowers. Turn around and block for the guy. Don't let him get hit. You're not on the scoreboard. He's not your snowplow. He's the big kahuna. Get in front of somebody. Start paying attention to the other races that are going on. So, till that guy realizes that, you know that that I'm not blaming the race on him. Like I said, it was a bad series of events. Bluer went down, but you know, as the fifth or sixth guy on the roster, you got to be ready to go out and you know take your shot. And that was your big money race, you know. So yeah, and there was I will call it controversy, although. Given the context of the TDA, this is sort of controversy light, diet controversy maybe, uh, just because uh, it, it seemed as though, like, Kahuna's number was 35. And when the checker flag was waved and I looked to the board, it 35 was still on the board as the leader. I saw that. But uh, it was Damage Inc. that had won it. I mean, their, their number eight, who was the... Uh, is it Adam Sherman? Anthony Sherman? Anthony Sherman. Ant- yeah. And, and, and the kid did creep around. Yeah. And I cannot confirm. I can confirm about four laps. I, yeah. I mean, if I he, would buy that he did five because I, like the rest of the Junkyard Dogs team, did not notice him. Yeah. If you asked me how many laps he did, uh, just like, you know, I was watching the race and, you know, somebody says, Chris, how many laps did number eight have? I'd guess three. It felt short. It did not feel like... Uh, it did not feel like he was going around. He's like the runner that cut through a couple alleys downtown Chicago. For the marathon? Know, for the marathon. Yeah. Finished in record time behind the Kenyans. Except know? except he didn't. It, 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 you know, the TDA reviewed it. Right. And, they uh, said they reviewed it, and they video reviewed it, and uh, they gave him the five laps. So we'll see, but good job yeah. to them. And I have a lot of friends on Junkyard Dogs, and I'm very good friends with Mark Ziesmer from A Affordable. And... Uh, I mean, you know, I feel bad for them. That's two races in a row, and that's after a lot of successful seasons. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to get things back and big power. And it's just there's your parity right there. There's one. There's yeah. the center of it. There's they're caught in the the, the whirlpool, you know, yeah. the vortex. You know, I mean, if I, if I came to you, I don't know, six weeks ago, and I said, all right, Johnny, uh, you know what? There's going to be a team in second place. They'll have made it to the finals, made it to the second round. They're going to look pretty good. People are going to be talking about how good they're doing. And there's going to be another team that's lost twice in the first round. Uh, one of them is Damage Inc. One of them is Junkyard Dogs. Who in their right mind would have picked the current situation? Oh, nobody. No. Nobody at all. They would have asked you what you were taking.
you know, one thing that doing the podcast has done for me, well, number one, I'll say this, that people are starting to yell behind the destruction at me when I walk by <laughs> people that I don't know. And it's, it's funny because they, they do it in much the same way that you do the Gursky voice. Like I'll be walking by and I'll hear somebody go behind the destruction, behind the destruction. Yeah. And you guys should get some bumper stickers at least. And then, and then I look at them and I, I always, I always think, Hmm. Okay. Hey, thanks for listening. And I'm like, I have no idea who the hell you are, but I guess that's a good thing. Thank you. Um, but I was having a conversation with Rich Wilson uh, in the staging area, and he had heard, like, after the first night race, uh, St- uh, Steve and I, my normal co-host, Steve Gursky Jr. and I, uh, we talked about the race between— Is somebody the- supposed to say, go Gursky? Not yet. Or Not yet. Home. That comes at the end. Oh, I was I was wondering if I had to say it. No, no. Okay. But, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um but we had been talking about the Damage Inc. Orange Crush race in the first round of the first night, and I had said that Rich Wilson had the whiff of the night. Like he had a, he had lined up Elmer perfectly, uh, Elmer Fandry on Orange Crush, and he just didn't hit him. And I had said that that was the kind of thing that you didn't want to see from your crushers. And uh, Rich, you know, I was talking to Rich, and Rich was saying something, and he had heard that, and he said, you know, when you're in the cars, it's much differently, much different than when you're in the stands. And, you know, that's one of the things that's so hard about in any way putting out an opinion or discussing demos of any type, whether it's team, county fair, whatever, because just because I see something doesn't mean that that's what's going on. And, you know, when you talk to the drivers after you see what you see and your opinion has been formed, something else completely different happens. Like, um, there was a, there was an instance in the first round matchup uh, between Mean Green Machine and Seek and Destroy. Uh, mean Green Machine's stud, Ryan Decker. I mean, just all-world stud. I mean, this guy is good. He was stuck. My he, God. He had a uh, he was he had his uh, front end up against the turn four tire, and I watched as Steve Gursky Sr. Uh, saw him, aimed at him, and then pulled off. And I actually wrote down. Uh, I, I wrote down. Gursky Sr. does not hit Decker. And it was like, to me, in the stance, I was like, what are you doing? Why are you pulling off? And then I talked to uh, I talked to Gursky Sr., and I asked him about it. And he said, well, his nose was against the tire. I thought he was dead. I didn't want to kill my car on somebody that I thought was already dead. And I thought, you know, how do you argue with that? How do you, that's, a, that's an on-the-field decision. It seems right at the exact time it was going on. And was Decker dead? No. Did he go on and did he hit the uh, Seek and Destroy lap runner probably three or four times after that? Yes. But it's like you can't really argue with that decision-making, can you? Well, I don't know. I would say I would say the Decker thing, I mean, let me, let me just say it seemed to be characteristic of a lot of teams, and, and there was a big whiff factor. I seen in the first round was like uh, a lot of near misses, uh, a lot of far misses, and uh, you know that's that's just how I could sum up. And and I felt like it would, the the second track felt like a, a crusher's track, mm-hmm. and uh, there should have been a lot more quick races because everyone's just annihilated. I don't know what was going on, but maybe maybe some guys had better moves on people too. So, but I mean. in terms of like the decision making, like you know, we we talk about it, and it's very easy in the stands, you know, not sure because not- you don't see the conditions, you know, like we see things like uh, I had to uh, I had the privilege of watching last race, and uh, 
also the what was it August race of last year? I was a spectator. Yes, the privilege, and of I got being to watch the race and see how they moved along in the pace of things. And uh, you know, I just thought, I just thought uh, you're, I, you know, the the I, the track plays a lot to do with. I think something should have happened. Like this guy should have got so and so. Yeah. But this guy tells me, man, listen, I had my wheels all the way to the left. And, and the car just wouldn't turn. But then I look on the video and they were just a little to the left. Was maybe something sticking up with his steering that we don't know about? You know, uh, there was probably a three-quarter inch wrench somebody left under the hood. Yep. Tied up in the idler arms or something. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah, you see things that happen. But there's, I, you know, I've had that happen to me. People are like, why didn't you get that guy? Or why didn't you go inside that tire? And, uh, <laughs> yes. <clears throat> excuse me. But, um. No, I mean, Pete, you say things, you say things, and from, like, let's take, can I take that as a point of view? Um, you know, the the race I'm talking about with the tires. Oh, yes. Um, that would be, I think, what it was, 2010, the second, second night. Second night, 2010, yeah. And it was the race that took, what, an hour and some odd minutes to decide. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the tire thing, because that's a perfect example of this. Like, you were in it, uh, if I recall correctly, you were the last Orange Crush car running against Reckoning. Yep, yep. And courtesy of Ron Tarakowski slamming into the turn one tire at uh, a speed near the speed of sound, he had pushed the tire out maybe 20, 30 feet. Does that sound about right? Exactly. Right up by uh, Steve Jr. and Ryan Bluer, I think, were locked up head on. And basically, it made it very difficult. Like, it was doable, but extremely difficult for cars to get around the turn one tire from where it had been moved. And from my perspective, because I was in the car and there was maybe 4,000, 5,000 people not in the car, Mm -hmm. but then a lot of people had one point of view or another. And, uh, I was in the car and, and it, it, first of all, you could see the 30, 40 foot slide mark from where the tire originally was yep. to where it got pushed up to. So technically I was going around where the tire, everyone else did their laps that night. Yeah. That's and, you cut inside the tire. And that was my perspective. And, but you and, thought I'm going around where the tire originally exactly. was. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why, that's why I even think, you know, I even suspect there's guys on that team that know what happened and they're just Reckoning? not saying nothing. Well, no, I or mean, orange crush. Like when you say that team, I, what team? I say, I say the black team, okay. the team we raced against. I see they won. And you know what I mean? It was a controversial one, but, it was my perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why didn't I go inside the tires? I didn't think I had to, A. Yeah. B, you know, on my side of things, I'll admit, and if we want to admit things, Gursky was dragging Bluer back and forth and could have closed that window at any second. Yep. And, uh, but I had, it looked to me, it looked like I had about 10, 15 feet of wall to squeeze in between every lap, then come back around inside Anderson and then around the two tire to get to the back straightaway. Yeah. So it was like a it was like a rat race, but that's see that's to me. Yeah, you guys saw like what the heck is he doing? Yeah, I mean, uh, I believe Freak, the announcer, as he was watching that race, was on the uh, loudspeaker asking, "What the hell is sixty eight doing? He's cutting that he just kept cutting." But the obviously, tires. on the videos, you could see the big smear mark. It's like oh, when a I understand it's like when a sloth doing. slides yes. across a deck and leaves like a trail of ew. Yes, like <laughs> that's. Wow, that is you. You paint such a vivid, pretty picture. But, but uh, no, it's like you explain it to me, and I go, "Yeah, I get your logic." But as as sort of a commentator, as a spectator, I'm still watching this and going, "What the hell is he doing? 
but from my perspective, yeah. you know what I mean? And I was like, why the hell would they expect me to go around the, the obviously move tire? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And everyone's holding me to that criteria then, you know what I mean? Officially holding me to that criteria yeah. where I see like, hell no. Yeah. I'm doing the same amount of lap running everyone else did. It's just the damn tractor tire has moved 30, 40 feet. Well, that's the thing. It's like in this element of the demolition derby racing is something that's akin to like asking a running back, why didn't you cut left on this one little All play? Right. Exactly. And so nobody it- ever asks any running backs that. It's always, you know, how did you script the clock management, this and that. Um, but nobody ever asks, like on this individual play, when you were heading up to the linebacker, why did you juke right and not juke left? Absolutely. And, you know, the more I look at it, like there was another instance in the finals between, I was about to say Mean Green Machine, but in the finals between Damage Inc. and Reckoning, where Ryan Decker had a, he was heading from the south end of the track to the north end of the right. track. Uh, Reckoning had two runners that were both on their final laps, and Decker ended up not hitting the runner in the lead, Nick Hartung, but instead hit Brian Anderson, who was up against the wall. I mean, he obliterated Brian. But, you know, as we were watching this in the stands, we couldn't figure out why he didn't go for the guy in the lead. The guy on the scoreboard in the lead. That's they the, were both that, on the scoreboard. But who was to the left? That's here's an, here's an issue, Chris, and I don't know if you want to get into it or not, okay. but I want to go into the whole scoreboard thing. Okay. Because Ryan Decker, I'm a crusher, so I'm going to back him up on a little a little bit of that. And I was ha- I was standing by the scoreboard that race. I look at the scoreboard constantly. Yeah. And if my team's not the left number, I have to really hustle up and look for that number. That's the lead number from the other team. So I'm going to immediately try to erase that guy off the board if he's not still moving. Now, is that something that's new this year? Because I, like, I did not remember the multiple numbers. I mean, I I don't like that. What are, they're trying something. I don't know what it is. And being out there, so being out there yesterday, uh, I tracked sixty-seven and sixty-nine were on the scoreboard for a lot of that race, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, that's all I had to do was get in the way of people and go after people that were going the right way. And Assuming the, my guys were in the lead, and then all of a sudden the scoreboard changed. You know what I mean? And 71 clicked on the scoreboard instead mm-hmm. of one of the 67 or 69. And uh, then 77 clicked over to the left, and then there was no sixes on the board. So I had no idea where those guys were at. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I lost them somewhere around three laps because I don't see things like the white flag being waved behind no. me. When I'm facing this guy... Or I'm trying to pin down this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, you're back as a crusher. You're back. But you're watching that scoreboard. So I think that in my outside standing right there as an observer perspective, that Ryan Decker should have went after the guy on the scoreboard when he had a clear shot. Yeah, he should have had that perspective where he seen it who he was going. Like that. And but I think the kid, and he could correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, I think he went after the experienced driver, and he wasn't going to let Anderson beat him. So well, I, and that I don't know that might. I talked to Ryan last night, and he said that he wasn't sure which one was in the lead. Mm. And it's like I saw them numbers clear as day. And I mean, you know what he I mean? Knew I was which just ones were there, there, but I don't know that he knew seventy one yeah, was ahead. And or, like I said, it's not a shot on Ryan. I've been there, but I, I, I me and everyone around me thought he was going to smoke that guy. You yeah. Know, so 
Oh, boy. That's the... Uh, it was a hell of a hit on Anderson. Oh, my God. I, it, it, do you know, like... The speed. Uh, the speed, the power. Anderson got hit in the middle of his back with the passenger side I saw side a lot door. of misses the third round, no, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not ripping people, but I thought it was an awesome track. Yeah. That was, so, I mean, it was like you could steer and go anywhere. But, you know, just going back to this point, it seems... Like, the decision-making is very easy to question when you're in the stands. True. But when you're on the track, as you as you explained with, you know, uh, technically cutting inside the tire, even though you're going around where sure. the tire used to be, it's not anywhere near as easy. And it's like if, uh, a, if somebody like Rich Wilson says, I thought I had a different beat on him, I was way off, and so I pulled off because I didn't think I had a good hit, it's like... Okay, that's what I want to hear. But at the same time, me in the stands, I'm going, "What the hell are you doing?" Exactly. And it, it's one of those things that the more you know, the more I talk, the more I get involved, the more I realize that there are so many different sides of things that it's really hard to figure out which one's right, which one's There's wrong. There's so many variables, and yeah. uh, you know, to some their excuses too, Chris. On the other side, you know, you could make up and throw up excuses too. So where's the fine line there? So, but yeah, from a fan's perspective, or you know, it gets worse the farther removed it from it. You know, if you're uh, if you're the Amish farmer that just came in out of uh, the middle of Pennsylvania to Route 66 and seen this going on, you know, that's it, an increasing demographic. Yes, right, there you go. Yep, and I think I seen a couple bonnets up in the stands. So, <laughs> um, but anyways, if you're that cat and you end up up there, you know, you're like, what is this crazy, ma'am? And on the other side of things, there's guys, you know, taking notes in the stands or. In that, the pits, you know, that yep. fo- they follow every uh, every move and uh, win and loss, you know. So they have that, and you have a lot of people really interested in it, you know. So, As a commentator on the sport, I'm just realizing that it, there are so many different perspectives on things that just because the way I see it doesn't mean that that's the way it's going on and trying to understand all the crazy shit that's going on all at the same time, all at once, really hard to do. Riven Restorations, a family-owned and operated full-service auto restoration shop, which is located in Randolph, Wisconsin. Whether it's a full frame-off restoration or just a detailed cleaning for the upcoming show season, bring your collector car or truck in to Driven Restorations. You can follow us on Twitter at Driven Resto, that's D-R-I-V-E-N-R-E-S-T-O. Facebook or our website, DrivenRestorations.com. Driven Restorations will help you drive your dream. All right, so just looking at the teams here, we're going to, again, just like we did last time, or just like I did last time with Steve, uh, go through the uh, eight teams, just, you know, see what's going on, what what you think they might need to do next time, what they need to continue doing, so this on and so fun. forth. Yeah. Hope um, I don't hurt anyone's feelings, Chris. I just tell it how it is. So Mean Green Machine, starting off with Team 1, Mean Green Machine, they came out first night and looked pretty solid in winning. They won the night. They won the final. It's hard to argue with that. Um, I, Steve and I were very curious to see how they were going to come out and, I guess, defend. We all were. And they came out, and they ended up losing in the first round to Seek and Destroy. Yeah, what happened? Uh, you know, it's... I, I, I shrugged my shoulders. Yeah. There was, a, there was a, a slight incident with Zach Van Allen getting caught in the wall. That was weird. 
That was weird. It, it, what made it even stranger was the fact that he did, in fact, bring Buddha it up. was a big issue or a controversy. He, he brought it up in the driver's meeting that there was a gap in the wall and he wanted to see if we could close it, or if the TDA could close it or something like that. And then he ended up getting caught in the exact gap in the wall that he was discussing. All right. The rumor, rumor mill has it that uh, Zach Van Allen had some problems with Sherry or something. and uh, About this very issue. About this very issue and was like escorted off outside at a parking lot or something, but I seen him at the end of the races, but heard there was some problems, but their problem, let's talk about on the track, you know, but uh, what happened? What were, uh, looks like the game plan fell apart a little bit or, or something happened, but that was, uh, that was upset of the year so far, right? Because we had no expectations going into week one. If if we can't, if you if if the first night is off the board, then then yeah, that might be the upset we of the year. We thought they were going to power through things. Third Actually, round you know contender. that would. Uh, now that I'm reconsidering. Yeah, I mean, seek and destroy looked abysmal if we're, if first night, right, and Mean right. Green won, and they lost. Man, so so we're gonna we're gonna put Mean Green right there. We're all shocked. Well, I'm. You know, we're shrugging my shoulders. What is that? Is there an abbreviation for that? SMS? <laughs> yes, SMS. So that's my uh, that's my shot on that. Yeah, I, you know, I'm just, I'm looking through my notes that I took on the race, and I don't really have anything about any of, uh, any of Green's cars. It's, it's interesting that most of it is uh, Seek and Destroy related. Yeah. No, uh, Seek and Destroy, man. What's, uh. What can we say about them? Like I said, it looked like they had out luck going on their side. It even looked for a while in the second round like Repo was whoever. Who was that guy in the second round that would just kept going? Was that Repo, Dave? Okay, Seek and Destroy. Um, you know, your beloved Damage Inc. was the third round. Uh, what do we call him? Daisy, they go home. Uh, they lose the third round. The second the place contender. You're not first or last. Um, but Seek and Destroy could have easily been that team. Uh, yeah. Repo Dave would have kept running around doing whatever the hell he was doing without steering, and one of them Seek and Destroy cars started up and made uh, the rest of their laps or maybe a whole set of laps. Uh, they're in the third round against Reckoning. Yeah, they, it was a very, yeah, it was anybody's race. And that would have been the shocker, too. Yeah, that would have been great. So I say just do what you're doing better, guys. I mean, you're yeah. very entertaining. And the thing is that, you know, first night, oh, my God, did I get a lot of shit. For anybody, anybody wearing the color red, I'm sure if Santa Claus was there yesterday, he <laughs> would have brought this up. Everyone's like, oh, welcome to Smash Bash and Crash's pits because I had <laughs> compared them to Smash Bash and Crash oh, at boy. some point in time because the oh, car's boy. driving off. But, um, you know, they came out. They added uh, Chris McGuire uh, came to the team. They added him. He looked pretty good. He, he had a few hiccups at the start yep. of the uh, of the second round race sure, against Sam. Fresh Jane. in the game, um, but you know they looked they looked pretty good. They came out. They beat Mean Green. It, it's hard Greg to argue was like with that. The little engine that could. He certainly was, um, and they went and they did. And it's sort of like there were a couple of hiccups. Like the thing that I didn't like about the second round ma uh, matchup against Damage Inc. was that it seemed like. There were always three seek and destroy cars that weren't moving. Yep. Yeah, but I mean intermittently. Yes. One would and fire up, one and would the fire other, up and the other would, would die, die down. down. And it like it was the type of thing where I believe that it went to a countdown, and I believe that damage was running. Because remember, I know numbers. I'm not placing. Yeah, I think the it was Repo was just... and maybe Kyle Thompson. 
Okay. Kyle Danger all, Thompson? There was all crushers for Seek and Destroy, though, right? I believe at one point in time they were all attempting to crush. Does it um, seem like a lot of people were trying to run laps for yellow, though? Yes. There was one of the more surreal moments of that race was when uh, I believe all four of yellow's cars were running, and none of them had steering, and right. all four of Seek and Destroy's cars were stopped. And it was just like these yellow cars, and they were all pretty much in turn three. They looked like ants going every which way because none of them had any Back control. Back and forth, they looked like a, uh, like a display at the Museum of Science and Industry. Yeah. You know, like a demo derby display. They just kept going straight forward, straight backwards. Yeah. And they wouldn't count the dang race down. No. And I, I you know— Get some cars that'll start Seek and Destroy, and you're in the third round next time. One thing that Greg Message did that needs to be called attention to, and frankly, I'm surprised that Mel Noble Jr. on Stranglehold didn't pull this one, was that uh, I believe Greg lost the use of his foot pedals, the accelerator. Again. And so what he did was, to get the car running, was he actually reached his hand underneath the hood and started manually pulling on the throttle. Like, there was no throttle cable. He just grabbed it with his finger and started pulling it. How did he do that? He he, he leaned forward. I mean, now, He's a short guy with some short arms. This uh, Now, I'm not saying that this, is, this looked wildly dangerous because the back of his helmet was touching the top of the roof. There had to have been a lot of bending and uh, <laughs> contortion involved in that. But he made it almost the entire way down the back straightaway just pulling on the throttle with his hand. And I was like, well played. This is the crazy of the season thus far. I was cheering that one on. I mean, that was... Uh, where did Greg come from? So I don't yeah. know. Keep doing what you're doing. Rebuild real good. You know. Yeah. Let's see how they come back. Yeah. Both I, both teams. So. And as you, I mean, it's it's the thing is that you you always want to improve from one race to the next. You don't want to see somebody where you take a giant turn down from one race to the next. And Seek and Destroy from first night to second night improved probably as much as any team that there was on the track. And it just it's going to continue. Absolutely. Now. One team that didn't seem to necessarily improve was the Junkyard Dogs, Team oh, 3. And I've got to be honest, you know, thinking about them, I, I, I'm I, not even sure if they're doing anything wrong. I like It just seems like maybe this is just a run of bad luck and just keep doing exactly what you're doing, and next time it hopefully will change. But. Who's the guy that uh, took over as GM of the Cubs? Theo Epstein? There needs to be a Theo Epstein in that six-man mix. I'm just, uh, I'll expound upon it by saying, uh, what do we do? Who should have been in there? Obviously, Bluer should have been in there, but I'm just going to tell you, I know it was a mechanical failure, but these guys yeah, are on. Yeah, have been. My point of view says these guys are fighting to be on the team. That's a moment you fight to be on the team, and I like Bryce Martin. I'm just saying that's your second race of the year as Junkyard Dogs. This is uh, not showing us a lot, and I'm like I said, I have all the respect in the world. For Mark Ziesmer, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's just, oh, my God. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, that's the thing is there's nothing really that you can pinpoint. SMS. SMS. Yeah. And you just. He's doing it right now. <laughs> that is true. I will. I concur. He is, in fact, SMSing. But <laughs> that's that's it. That's all there is to it is it's like I, there's nothing to pinpoint. It's not. It's certainly not where you go. You look at somebody and you go, okay, if you would. If you had done that, if you had actually gone outside the tire, you know, little things like that. And there's nothing you can point at. It's just uh, some big issues. I mean, uh, I'd say the first night, Reckoning had a great race against they them. They did. Um, this race was damaging, attacking them. 
but it could have been one right there and then. I'm just going to attribute everything to 31 right there. The race was the race, but all you had to do was blow the way through for Kahuna to avoid that last hit or maybe the hit before that. And uh, you're going to the second round. So, yeah. Yeah, I I have I'm going to disagree with you slightly just because I have a hard time saying that that was the the catalyst. Junker dogs. Okay. So Junker dogs need some consistency. Yeah. I I'm going to I'm going to say junkyard dogs just need to go out and do more. I mean, like not even do more. I mean, they just need to go out and that's it. They just keep playing. Six that's guys. It. They just yeah, that's right. They need more drivers. They do need more drivers. They need seven. <laughs> they need seven. All right, team four, full throttle. They were, uh, they were like a lot of people were talking about them in the off season as being favorites. Um, they came out, they got to the finals first night, and then second night they lost in the first round to Reckoning. Did we start a new third round curse? The uh, the two teams that go to the third round won't win the next night. Well, Reckoning and Damage Inc. Sincerely hope not. But oh boy, uh, yeah. But, you know, this is one of those things that uh, I think the hardest thing in sports is to go out, to race hard, to play hard, to lose, and go, you know what, we didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Um, no, they didn't do a lot wrong. No. I saw a few near misses and uh, shouldas, woulda, couldas, and uh, brain farts. But uh, they're a tough team, man. I thought they'd be, uh, yeah, man. It's anybody's guess, though. It's parody, Chris. Yeah. It's, you know. But that, that's again, that's the that's the thing that you know, like there are certain teams that total lost. upset. Yeah, there are certain teams that like Stranglehold lost in the first round, and I'd say they could work on a thing here or there. But full throttle, it's like you, there's nothing that's sort of like glaringly mm. obviously obvious. It's just let's go out and let's just. Race it looked again. like a clear game plan too, and uh, yeah, that was just too. That was a brutal race. Yeah. Hmm. Um, which brings us to Stranglehold. Stranglehold. Uh Wayne and Mel Noble, man, just somebody needs to somebody needs to steer that team. You guys I I cheer for you. The the parody of the year is I see you guys at the bottom end of the pole and you've got all the equipment. You've got guys. There are so many guys that are involved, man. I think somebody just has to pull the old uh the Reddick Pride switch, you know, and uh get fired up and get to the third round once, you know, and, and in in demo history, there's been teams like Quicksilver. They're just out of left field teams that make it to the third round and win. Uh, they could happen with Team Five, you know. Yeah. If, if just something happens, I don't know. Yeah, they we, need a cause, a spark. We've we've actually talked about this before, and you told me uh, before the second before the second race that you thought Stranglehold was going to go to the finals at the one point in time this I year. I thought just third the random shot because I've seen the Quicksilvers of uh, the past, you know, the way back past or. The, uh, the the slush teams just don't, and I'm not saying they're a slush team because I like some of the iron stranglehold brings out. Yeah. I see some really nice stuff over there. Again, yeah. I think let's cut down on the guys and the things that you have to do at the, in the pits and get everything buttoned up uh, in time before the races. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like you guys are racing a lot of third rounds, and I see a lot of work going on. So yeah. somebody needs to manage that a little bit better and. Uh, you know, I don't know. Veteran leadership has to step in and do the right things. Yeah, there was there was one thing very near the end that uh, there were three orange that I thought summarized everything that's going on with Stranglehold nicely. There were three Orange Crush cars that were near turn two, and uh, two of them were lap runners, and one may have been dead. Otherwise, it was just sort of 
putt putt putting along and wasn't doing anything. And there were two stranglehold stranglehold cars that were lining up them, and both of them missed the uh, yeah misses both both of them missed the two lap runners <laughs> and hit and hit the car the that, dead car the, the dead car yeah I saw that and that's I just what thought I'm saying that that's the it's like and it's another miss and that was weren't near misses those were far misses yeah that was, it should have been a destroy situation yeah because they lined it up and then it just it it didn't happen they were taking a tour the wrong way and there's like i don't know what to do to suggest that i mean it's like missing free throws in basketball it's like mm. i could say make the free throws but it's like i don't know how to convey that yeah well i i i can only hope that mel noble jr um looked at Greg messages using his own fingers as a throttle cable <laughs> as sort of a, a, a bar like the game. It's game on. You know, if you got a secret flap in your shoe, you use your uh, toes to grab a floor shifter. Yes. That uh, maybe that, off. maybe that's the next thing for Mel Noble like Jr. to do like a, uh, like Flintstone style breaks. Like he cuts holes in the floorboards and uses feet. Oh, yeah. Like Stick to, your foot through yeah. the, uh, the shifter hole and shift with your foot shift yep. for your toes. Yep. I'm talking about actual like breaks. Like, you know, he, Oh man, he'll so, set the bar. So, well, he, the bar has been set, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. but yep, he's going to further the, raise he it. He set a crazy bar. But uh, next up on the list, your former teammates, your actually your teammates uh, oh. on Saturday night, Orange Crush. Okay, we're going to do the what do they need or what happened? Um, I'm just going to say this, that I, and tell, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like one of the things that I always knew about Orange Crush in 2010 and 11 was that uh, your crushers knew the difference between like dinking somebody and just annihilating somebody. And sometimes yep. you would really piss the hell out of people by just getting in their way and not squaring up and not sure. hitting. This year, it seems like Orange Crush's crushers are just, just obliterating people. Because I think every one of them's crushing for some reason. I don't think – I think uh, the guys on the team are so busy crushing things that nobody bothers to run laps. And uh, I know for a fact they've had designated lap runners, and I, I don't know what these guys are doing. Uh, some of these guys are breaking off running. Uh, they should be running laps, and they're taking beads on people and missing even, you know, and uh, – I don't know. They've they've got some issues, you know. People need to pay attention to the game plan, and uh, you're either all in or you're not, you know. Yeah. So, and there's a little bit of uh, roster change as well, as uh, Art Scarborough is no longer with the team. Yeah, I don't know if that's permanent or not. So I, I know he had uh, some kind of problems that uh, he wasn't racing. You know, I'm just gonna say that uh, Team Six needs to figure out who they are as a team. You know, get. Uh, Get four or five drivers, and you're going to be successful. But uh, to do anything, they have to win out. You know. Yeah. Well, I I got to say that you know I I always I always have respected the way that uh, Tom, your fellow crusher Tom Brickman Lewis has gone out and played, and he's best in the world. He seems like he has lifted his game this year. He's always he gets better every year, Chris. Uh, you know, he's uh, I don't I wouldn't say he's underrated because he, you know, among his peers he's super respected. He's the winningest guy at Route 66, mm-hmm. and uh, he gets better and better, man. I'm, you know, I'm lucky to be a good friend of his and uh, sitting poolside at his house. Yeah, um, but he but, seems uh, he's, to have no, picked it up a notch this God, year. God, man, he's he's always getting better. He was better last year. You know, he had positive races when when his. Uh, when he's on, he's on, man, and he's never really off because he's he just does smart things, and you know he could dink and dunk you, and he could annihilate you. 
Yeah. So. And which brings me to another uh, crusher who has, in my opinion, substantially like lifted his game this year. That's for Team 7, Reckoning. Speedy Steve Volbrecht. He's another up. You know, I, I mean, mean, he's a veteran. Those, he's these guys the, are yeah. the veteran. These guys are the Route 66 pure veterans, Brickman and Speedy Steve. Yep. Speedy Steve come from the – and Brickman come, are cut from the same cloth. But uh, Speedy's got a different style than Brickman. But he's he's another guy that's – yeah, his game's going up, man. And this is, you know, this is possibly like Speedy's 12th year or something like that, 10th, 12th year or something. Yeah, I mean, it's wow. crazy. Yeah, he's the seasoned veterans. I remember when he was little Speedy. Yeah. And First what, race ever I raced. I, no, I, I I raced against him the second round that night. Yeah. Well, this is what happens when he's you start awesome, racing man. when you're 16. But, right. Uh, no. <laughs> but he's a big – I'm a big fan of Speedy's. Speedy's performance in the first round last night, it was Reckoning uh, reckoning versus Full Throttle. And Speedy was out in his uh, 60s Chrysler wagon that he loves driving. Um, I love that car. Yeah. Is it the same car or is it just different Chrysler wagons? I never no, know. No, it's, it's the same – it's the same, it's the same car, but he unibody. has replaced almost everything that you can replace wow. in that yeah, car. I love them. My favorite cars are the old 63, 64 Chrysler's, and, you know, I got a hats off to him for keeping bringing that thing out, let alone pull I, and, that win off. Yeah, and, you know, wow. I believe he's 4-0 and or 5-0 and in that car. Wow. So that's why he keeps bringing keep it out. bringing it back, Speedy. He, I'm he, a big fan of that car. He has uh, – people Hope keep I telling don't race it again. That thing <laughs> duped me one time. I went up on a wall. I think so. Yeah, he's got a he's got a storage locker full of front clips and stuff oh, like that for that God. thing. So God bless him. But uh, yeah, I mean, his first round performance against Full Throttle was just the type of thing where I looked at it and I was like, "Wow, this is pretty solid." I mean, he took out a lot of guys on Full Throttle. He spun him out, took him out, hit him, and then turned around and got five laps when they needed right. to get him. Man, that was man. But I mean, that was a heavyweight fist fight right there. Oh and, yeah. Uh, Reckoning's a heavyweight team, you know, with Nick and Wally. They adjusted really well, mm-hmm. and uh, they're a heavyweight title fighter. And yeah. uh, I saw that last night, man, and I can say, man, them guys slugged it out. They, I slugged it out in a race with them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll say, you know, from a personal perspective, Reckoning, there was just Reckoning car after Reckoning car coming around running laps on that race. I, I just couldn't hit them enough. And, yeah. uh God, wow. Yeah, they're doing good, man. Yeah. So keep doing whatever you're doing, rebuild and uh have a lot of heart and you you'll be yeah. you'll be in the third round. Two things I want to say about reckoning um is that number one, I think they have had the hardest schedule, the hardest races of anybody in the league thus far this year. Yeah, and they're in first place. First round? Uh yeah, they've so far they've raced in five races. Sure. They've raced full throttle twice, they've raced yeah. Orange Crush. Junkyard Dogs and Damage Inc. in the finals. Right. I mean, those are those are power teams. Oh man. So I mean, and they're they're four and one. Yep. That no. that's like wow. That's that's something to be said. That's number one. Number two. Um, one thing that surprises me is that I think almost every race they've run, they've hit some level of adversity in the actual race. Somebody's lost steering early. Somebody's a runner's been taken out. And they don't let it get catches to them. Catches on fire. Somebody catches on fire. And it's yeah. like they just keep going and they're like, We're gonna do this. And yeah, we're that gonna was nuts. I mean, no, they yeah, they got a they got a heart. They you know, so these guys are clicking right now. So yeah. they seem pretty dangerous. The one thing that I worry about with reckoning is Wally Hartung running. Um mm, slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. Like or, I just or is it just not exciting? 
No, you know, has- so I have an argument. Is Wally Hartung running the race successful because people are drawn to him as the veteran leader of the team, or is uh, you know is 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 he killing him? I don't know, but he, they're winning, man. Right now, you, it's working. You cannot argue with the fact that they it's, are winning. It's not entertaining to watch. Well, I'll tell you. Well, you had an interesting perspective, namely from behind the wheel on oh. this. That uh, you delivered what I would call the hit of the month, possibly the easy. year. That was too easy to get, Wally. So next you, time, floor it. Wally's going down the back straightaway, and well, take it away. What happened? He, uh, he, I saw him hesitate, man. I don't know whether his car popped on him or what. I didn't see any puffs coming out, but he, uh, he tried to put on the old brakes and uh, dinky do me, you know, and. I just got to a lot. I was just starting to pick up speed, and uh, he was a sitting duck after that. He just deered in the headlights, man. Yeah. So, but I, I did. You know, I had to get him. He was on the board, seventy-five, creeping along, but he was, he was there. Yeah. But you know, I think to a certain extent, even Reckoning knows that this is something maybe that should be tweaked or looked at because in the third round against Damage Inc. in the finals. Wally Hartung was crushing, not running. Yeah, you know, but I see that they're a team of adjusting. I don't. I haven't seen a consistent formula from my perspective for damaging. I've seen some different things they did against JYD the first night. I've seen different things that they've done ver- against various other teams, and they're shape-shifting, man. Yeah. Because they have the potential for Brian to win the race, Wally to win the race, and now Nick. Yeah. You know, Nick I- showed his medal in speedy. Yeah, you want to so, know what? How strange is this? The only guy on Reckoning who has not won a race, Brian Anderson. Right, wow. Oof. You know, yeah, well, let's say won the race by checkered flag. Yeah, the only one who hasn't gotten the checkered he flag is Brian. He threw some power laps down. You know, i seen him throwing some power laps down where he would spin around and point backwards and then kind of James Garner Rockford files turn around and go back down the straightaways. Yep. Slow down a little, Brian, man. There was nobody coming. Do that when people are coming across the infield after you. And uh, But these are minor points. I mean, minor points. You're kicking ass, though. I mean, that's so, – and this is something – You know, I'm not – I've been an arch nemesis of Brian for years, and I, I'd encourage – as a demo fan, I'm going to encourage Reckoning, just keep doing what you're doing, you know uh, – Maybe give Wally an ice pack in between races. <laughs> you know, that guy came, walked right by me, and he said he was so busy. He was too busy to say hi, and then uh, he walked over on a tow truck and had a smoke and a sandwich or something. But, uh, no, Wally, just uh, all you guys keep doing what you're doing. It's This is a team I did not see. Like, there are a lot of things that, you know, I think the surprise, like, I mean, as surprising as it is that Damage Inc. is doing as well as they are, I still think the biggest surprise for me is how well Reckoning has done yeah, against a, the tough opponents that they, they faced. They built good, man. You yeah. Know, that was a question mark. Uh, bold, Huge bold, question mark. Bold font question mark right there. So. Yeah. But now we get to go to Damage Inc. Yeah. Um, wow. Man, surprise team, huh? Yeah. Now here, like, yeah, they're they're going. Now here's something, and the thing is that you know you mentioned the adjustment. Now I don't think that this is necessarily adjustment for Damage Inc., but it is funny how they seemed like a different team first night than they did second night. Uh, first night, Repo was screaming around the track. I mean, the engines were loud. He was flying around the track. I, I don't know what the track conditions were like, but it didn't strike me that Repo was going very fast or just flying around the track in uh, second night. It looked like he was having a little bit of trouble first round, but uh, I don't know, man. They they just get it done. Yeah, 
and it seems like they've got a they've got an extra little push right now. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's all the veteran drivers hanging around the camp now. Who knows? But yeah, they've they're definitely entertaining. You know, get the yeah. cars get the cars painted better now, guys. Man, people are starting to notice you. Yeah, so, it's, it's they're, wow. Whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. Yeah. I hear they're going to have trouble rebuilding. Well, they do. They probably have to build what ten, nine, ten new cars, something like that. Any kind of scrapyard, you know, around that needs uh, needs to sponsor a demo team for this yes. big event. You We've might want to jump on the Damage Inc. train. Yeah, no, that's but they. Wow, you know, if they can keep this up, and that's now that's a big if. But if they can keep it up, and they know how to do this, uh, it seems like they've got the makings of a true underdog Let's favorite. Let's see where are they going to be four weeks from now. Yeah. You know, that's the whole thing. Build it up, guys. Keep going. I mean, yeah, it's. Let's see. You know, I mean, who is damaging, though? You know, I mean, you've got Dave Swan, 12, 12 seasons at Route 66 also, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to say 12 official, maybe 13 counting the 99 season. I don't know. But uh, you want to see the guy. I want to see the guy win a trophy, Chris. Yeah. Just a trophy. Yeah. I think my life will be complete. Yeah. No, not really, but. I'd like to see the guy win a trophy just because I've raced against the guy so many times. I've seen the guy race, race after race. And you know what? I know he's somehow Repo's always up to something, but he's actually up to trying to have a quality team out there this year. Yeah. How are they going to, how many races more are they going to continue to try to be a quality team? And who is damaging? I think that's what they have to answer now. Well, that'll, that's a good question to figure out, like, for, for next time. I mean, it's like all the teams are trying to figure out, you know, who are we? And I think the teams that are near the top. Well, everyone. Everyone. But I think especially in Damage's case, it's like, yeah, who who are we? What are we going to do? Oh, wow. Do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's anyone's guess still, man. Yeah. but The, you the know, whole season. They're they're bringing in puzzle pieces. They're putting they're taking them out. They're Couple just doing puzzle stuff. pieces away. Let's see who they come up with now. Yeah. But I mean, like whatever they put in, it's like that seems to be working. Sure, sure, sure. And they're fired up. It looks like they're having a lot of fun too. Yeah. Well, the winning can change that, and I I I would love it. I mean, there are two guys that it's like, uh, you know, in 2010, everyone was saying how Ron Tarakowski had been racing for sure. I believe it was close to 400 years. Right. Um, he got into it originally with the horse and buggy back in uh, right. Uh, yeah, they take the Lexington, off. Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, and he had never won a season championship, and it's like he won, and it was like that was a great feel good story. Sure. Oh, and yeah. now there are two guys who I say have never who have been racing for a long time who have never won a championship, and that's Dave Swan and Greg Mess. And it's like I would love either one of those guys to put together a team and win that championship. Oh, geez. You know, I'd say Repo um, definitely has been plugging away as pure demos. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but Greg, you know, if it came down to the two, I would say just Repo out of pure Route 66. The guy's been there every year in demos, owning a team, bringing a team out. No matter what, he used to be a, considered a smash, bash, crash type guy. Yeah. But he always brought out some entertaining cars, too. And then he's always had some heavy hitters come race with him. So, uh, But are we seeing the repo, Dave, who finally says, you know, I'm going to do something. I'm going to put my stamp on this. Well, I, for one, sincerely hope so because it's fun mm. watching those guys race. I'm yeah, glad entertainment, man. They broke the curse. They're in third round. They're going forward. It's like, what's not to like? Man, you know, I'm saying this big library of teams we just painted. You want to look back on it. Aren't demos entertaining this year, man? Oh, my God. So much so. There's, wow. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. I'm, 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 
I'm surprised that I'm the first guy to say that that's some entertaining racing going on between everybody. And you want to know what else is interesting? I haven't heard any conspiracy theories. I haven't Ooh, heard any. Right. It's just no, racing right And now, I haven't right? heard any cheating stories. Maybe it's because me and Steve are out. Yeah, that's right. As soon as, as, soon as Johnny Ryan and Steve Grisky Jr. leave the league, Uh-oh. all conspiracy it's theories. all well. And, all is well. Yeah. So, Johnny, any last thoughts on, uh, on second night, the TDA in general? Man, my last thoughts are uh, great job, Sherry and Shane Hackiness. Uh that's nuts, man. You know, I, I I have to slap myself for even saying it, but I I look at what you're doing, and it's really good. Yeah. Let's see, let's see how much higher you could set the bar. You know what I mean? It looks for the first time in twelve years, I see demos on an upward curve. Oh, absolutely, from a flat line. I mean, how? So it's a, but it could only be a blip right now, Chris. How much further are Sherry and Shane and the Heckin' family willing to take it? And it's going up, and I like it a lot. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to have to say it's, you know, whenever you can You just hope it continues. It. Yeah, I hope it continues. And it's, it's – it's, Oh, my God, so much fun. And if I, told, if I told you at the end of 2010 that there would be, you know, seven races in the future, that there would be no conspiracy theories, there would be no accusations yeah. of cheating, and that it would be – everybody would be equal and pretty much – you know, harmonious, you you would have been like, what the hell are you smoking? I would have felt your forehead. Yeah. Yeah, wow. No, this is, a, it's definitely parody in some kind of weird cosmic way because we said it's not because of salary caps or anything. Yeah. It's just pure parody, and it's it's anyone's guess right now, man. Yeah. Who do you predict to be? I got Okay, nothing. if you had to make a prediction right now, who won? Who is uh, Who is at the banquet? Right now, after this last night, while it's fresh on your mind, Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot. It's going to sound strange, but I would go with Reckoning or Orange Crush. Mm. <laughs> go figure. I, I see yeah. Reckoning Race. They're adapting. They're getting it. They're, they're adapting. Not, they're not afraid to change stuff up. It seems like they – and they're they're also winning. That helps. <sighs> but uh, And then I look at Orange Crush, and I know there have been some – I know there have been some uh, – I know they haven't had the best run of it thus far, and frankly <laughs> – so your answer for who do you see? Do you see do you see Reckoning and Orange Crush both being at the banquet as co-champions, or are you just not sure of your answer? I, it, it's the thing where it's like I look at these two teams. These are the two teams right now that I think are racing very, very hard. Right, I get you. And but I couldn't, I, I couldn't call it either. I, I could throw Green Machine into that mix with a couple tweaks. You know, I could throw Team Four into that mix. Yeah, I could throw Damage Inc. I mean, points wise, mathematically, yeah. you know, certain planets align. Man, wow! But yeah, right Junk now, our dogs. I don't think mathematically they could go to that banquet. Though. I think mathematically they could, but it's one of those things where every Apollo single has to throw a lightning bolt at Route sixty six. Right? Yeah, something, something like that. Five years in the future, when we resume the season, exactly. Uh, Junk our dogs sweep everybody. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, right now, I don't think any— I love them, guys. Yeah. But, wow, it's parody, Chris. That, I think—you I, know what? We have come full circle. All right, well, Johnny, thank you very much for filling in for uh, Steve Gersky Jr. here. Uh, as I said, our, our goal today was to upset at least half the league, and I think we were well on our way to accomplishing yeah, that. Yeah, let's see, man. So— No, good job, guys. Yeah, and— we are definitely benefiting from the uh, from the hard work that's going on. So, uh, as always, we thank you for listening, and we'll return next week.
For Chris Numer and Steve Gersky Jr., go Gersky, or go home, or go home with Gersky. I'm John Sensimer. We hope you enjoyed our podcast, and thank you for listening. Behind the Destruction would like to thank our producer, Maura Scher, and Kosher Studios, located in Woodridge, Illinois. Visit them on the web at koshersounds.com. For previous episodes of Behind the Destruction, the latest Demolition Derby news, and columns, you may visit us at behindthedestruction.com. 